You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family compelled by God's love to practice the way of Jesus together in Austin. Our big prayer is this, in Austin as it is in heaven. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. It's good to see you today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name, should I put, it's just not even on. There, look at that. You've got to put it over your ear. You would think this is like the first time I've done this, but uh, no, it's been 10 years of this. All right. Um, good morning. It's great to see you today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name's Jake, and uh, I'm just so glad you're joining us. We're uh, continuing our series from the book of Colossians this morning, and Rebecca is going to read today's passage. So come on, Rebecca, and if you're able, won't you stand for the reading of God's Word? Good morning. This is a reading from Colossians 1, 24 through chapter 2, verse 5. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mercy, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Well, um, my wife Krista and I uh, started dating our senior year of uh, Texas, while we were at Texas A&M. It was actually the fall semester of our senior year, and I, uh, I fell for her pretty hard. So that by the time that we hit a spring semester, I was already pretty convinced that I wanted to marry her. But I was also pretty convinced that she didn't quite feel that same way about me yet. And so I was like, all right, this is, this is my mission. Like this, I got to get this girl to fall in love with me. I, I, I need to win her heart. This, this is what it's all about this spring. And so uh, in the, <laughs> I'm an Aggie. I already confessed that to y'all. It feels like a confession with this crowd. But um. You know, and I love A&M. I really do. Uh, but I'm also fully aware that we are goofy for lots of reasons. One of them being that, you, do you know that Texas A&M has a, basically a prom? Do you know that? It's called Ring Dance. And uh, it's only for uh, those that are, you had enough credit hours to get the Aggie ring, which is basically juniors and seniors. And then you go, so you're like juniors and seniors. It's in April. Like, I mean, it's, it's prom, right? And so... Um, 
And Krista, being our senior year, we both got our Aggie ring. She really wanted to go to ring dance. All of her roommates did, all of her friends. Everyone was going to ring dance. And I knew that I like this is a chance to, to really make her happy and show her love and go on this great date and hopefully win her heart. And so I was like, I got to take her to ring dance. The problem was I was incredibly poor. Incredibly poor. Students feel me on that, right? Like I didn't have any money. I was working for College Station ISD driving buses my senior year, trying to pay for most of my college uh, school, right? And so I'm like, man, I'm not, I don't have any money. And yet I knew ring dance was coming. So I'm trying to think like, how in the world am I going to be able to take Krista to ring dance? And then early February, my mom sent me a care package. Mom's. They're, they're the best, right? And uh, in this care package were a number of different things, including like multiple boxes of these things, peanut butter crackers. And I remember opening that care package and pulling out all these boxes of peanut butter crackers and, and thinking, I bet I could live off of these. And so that's what I decided to do. I was like, I'm going to save, the way I'm going to save money, be able to take Chris to the ring dance, is I'm not going to buy groceries uh, till ring dance. You know? And so I'm, I'm just going to live off of these rationed peanut butter crackers. And so that's what I did. Like, seriously, I skipped breakfast. I would eat one package of peanut butter crackers for lunch, and then I would just not eat anything the rest of the day. Or if I was lucky and my roommates were like cooking food and they had extras left over, then I would scavenge from them. Or sometimes I would just show up at Krista's place, right? Just to happen to see if her or her roommates had made dinner that night and just eat whatever they had. But that's how I was getting by. Now, I had to tell you, Krista had no idea I was doing this. If she knew that I was doing this, she would have like put it into it right away. But I didn't want her to know because I'm trying to find a way to win her heart, right? And so that's what I wanted more than anything else. And so I just ate peanut butter crackers. And finally, I saved enough money to buy those tickets, to ring dance, to rent that tux, to take her out to a nice dinner beforehand. And we had a great time. And a couple months later, I asked her to marry me. And she said, yes. And let me tell you, yeah, yeah, yeah. As if you didn't know. Oh, that she had said yes. But let me tell you, uh, only eating peanut butter crackers for a couple months, totally worth it. Totally worth it. I tell you that because um, just to draw attention to the, the fact that when you want something really badly, you want something so much, you're really willing to sacrifice a lot to get it, Right? I mean, students, you ever, you know, that's true. Like some of y'all just midterms just this last week, right? You're like, I just sacrificed sleep. I sacrificed fun with my friends in order to try to get that passing grade on the test. I hope you got it. But like you sacrifice a lot to get something else that you want. Or I think about even like to a much bigger extreme, uh, these refugees that Diane was just telling us about coming to our city, like how much they have sacrificed I mean, leaving everything that they knew, people, loved ones, basically every material possession they've ever owned, to come here for the hope of a better future for them and their family. Why do you sacrifice that much? Because, man, when you want something so badly, you will sacrifice a lot to get it, right? Well, this morning... In this passage that we're going to be in, that Rebecca read for us in Colossians 1, 
what we see is something that Paul, the Apostle Paul, really, really wanted. Something that he wanted so much that he was willing to sacrifice greatly to pursue it. And what I want to ask you all to do this morning as I teach this, we look at this passage together, is I just want you to consider two big questions, okay? Like keep these in the back of your mind throughout the message. Maybe even write them down so you can refer to them throughout this time. Just here they are. First, how much do you want what Paul wanted? And then the second is, what are you willing to do, if anything, what are you willing to do in order to pursue it? Got it? Okay. Well, let's begin by actually talking about what Paul wanted. He tells us what he wanted in verse 28. Let me read it for us. He says, he, and that he refers to Jesus, says, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that, or like for this purpose, or here's what we're after, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. See, that's what Paul wanted. That's what he was after. He was after the ability to present everyone fully mature in Christ. Now, that word everyone uh, messes with me. Because uh, it, it kind of feels excessive or very unrealistic, right? I mean, to present everyone fully mature in Christ, like he couldn't possibly mean Everyone in the sense of everyone, right? <laughs> that's what I'm, I, I wrestle with that. But you know what? I, I think that's what he does mean, everyone. And the reason why is because he, uh, he emphasizes this word through repetition three different times in this passage. Now, what's interesting is in the NIV, you only see the word everyone repeated twice, but the, it's actually in the original Greek there three times. The NIV takes it out because it just reads so clunky. It just is as if Paul is like, come on, Paul, are you like stammering? Are you stuck? Are you stuck on this idea? But no, no, Paul puts it everyone, 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 because he's really talking about everyone. If you literally read this, it's he is the one we proclaim, admonishing everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. See, this repetition tells us that he's not just being hyperbolic. He's not just exaggerating. No, he is emphasizing that the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for us is for everyone. And the reason why he's emphasizing that, I think, so strongly here is because there was, and Matt and Justin both alluded to this in previous messages, but there was this, this teaching that was creeping into the church of, of Colossae. And the, and the teaching was, one aspect of it was that the, there's this secret knowledge that only a select few people have access to that can really fully comprehend. And it's only this, this group of people with their secret knowledge that can really be mature and everyone else is other. And Paul is saying, no, 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 that is a lie. Now, everyone can be fully mature in Christ. And so we're trying to proclaim Jesus to everyone and admonish everyone and teach everyone. That's what he was after. Everyone. Every man, woman, and child. Everyone. And not just uh, the word, everyone's not the only thing that kind of messes with me here, but it's also this word present. Present. 
Do you notice that? To present everyone fully mature in Christ? I think, okay, present to who, right? Well, in Paul's mind, what he's thinking about here is presenting in front of God himself on the judgment day of God. And in Romans 14, 10, it says, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. And Paul's thinking about this day in the future when all will come before God. And he's saying, on that day, here's what I deeply want. I want to be able to present everyone, Timothy, Titus, Lydia, down through the line, everyone. I want the pleasure. I want the opportunity. My heart's desire is to be able to see everyone come before God, presented fully mature in Christ. To use his words from uh, chapter, chapter 1, verse 22, where everyone will be seen holy in God's sight, his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. That's what Paul wanted. And he wanted it really, really bad. (laughs) He speaks to that in the very next phrase, follows verse 28 with verse 29. He says, "Uh, to this end, I strenuously contend. Strenuously contend. Now, that that, uh, phrase tells us that this is not like a flippant wish for Paul. This is not him just saying, okay, what, when dream come true, everyone be able to present everyone fully mature in Christ. No, he's like, no, I'm, I'm all in on this. See, to, to strenu- strenuously contend means to labor to the point of exhaustion as you fight or struggle to accomplish something. And so Paul's saying, I mean, I'm getting, I'm giving everything I've got to accomplish this. He was all in. In fact, he, he, he re-emphasizes just the fact that he's going all in on this in the next verse, in chapter 2, verse 1, when he says, I want you to know how hard, here it is, how hard I'm contending for you and for those in Laodicea, which was like a neighboring city about 12 miles away, and hear this, for all who have not met me personally, for all. Like, is he really going after everyone? Yes. Why? Because he's, this is, he's contending for all who have not even met him personally. He is all in contending, laboring to the point of exhaustion, giving everything that he has. So that one day everyone would be able to be presented before Christ fully mature. That's what he wanted. That's what he was going after. That's what he's strenuously contending for. And that's what he was suffering for. And he's willing to suffer for this. That's how committed he was to this. Think about what he says in verse 24 of this passage, which is, you know, honestly, on its surface, a very confusing verse. (laughs) I don't know if you picked up on it when Rebecca read it for us earlier, but here's what he says. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. Pause there. That's confusing. Who rejoices in their suffering? Who says something like that? Now I am rejoicing in what I am suffering for you, but then it also continues to get further confusing because he says, and I fill up in my flesh 
what is lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now, uh, that sounds borderline or maybe not even borderline heretical. <laughs> you understand? Like, he was like, is, it seems like, man, is Paul saying that, there were, that Jesus didn't actually accomplish everything he needed to accomplish on the cross for our salvation, that there was something lacking that Paul needed to fill up in his flesh, with his body, with his life? That, like, ooh, that's not, that's not what he is saying, friends. See, uh, there was nothing lacking in Christ's afflictions in the sense of what Jesus needed to accomplish for our salvation. He did that in full. It's from the cross. He declared, it is finished. And it was. Everything that needed to be accomplished for our salvation was complete in Christ. However, there is something lacking. And what is lacking? Well, what's lacking is that not everyone knows or believes that. That Jesus died for us all, that we could have salvation in him, life to the full in him, be united to Christ, as Paul's going to get into in a minute. This is amazing, but it won't actually happen for someone unless they hear what Jesus has done and believe it. See, uh, Martin Luther famously said, it wouldn't matter if Jesus died a thousand times if no one heard about it. The professor, uh, Professor Charles Quarles says, there is nothing lacking in the work of Christ except for one thing. People don't know about it. Jesus' suffering was all that was necessary to provide salvation for sinners, but Paul's sufferings were necessary to proclaim salvation to sinners. See, the the Apostle Paul had come to uh, realize something that you and me and most of the American Western church uh, has a really hard time with. And that is uh, getting the gospel out to people, getting the good news of what Jesus accomplished on the cross requires Jesus, his followers, to suffer to varying degrees. It's never just simple or easy. It's going to require you to suffer discomfort and an awkward conversation, perhaps. It's going to cause you to require you to risk rejection. Some places in the world, it may require you to lose your job. In other places in the world, it requires you, perhaps, to lose your life. It's it's always been that way, friends. Getting the gospel to people takes sacrifice. It's hard. It's costly. It was that way for the Apostle Paul, and it's still that way for us today. Again, to varying degrees, but yet never, not at all. It's hard. But it's your willingness to step out and do that, as Paul was that in doing so, you fill up what's lacking in Christ's afflictions. You bridge the gap between what Jesus accomplished on the cross and people getting to hear that and believe that. You, through your suffering, bridges that and helps people find their way into life in Christ. And Paul says, you know what? That's worth it. 
That's worth strenuously contending for, laboring to a point of exhaustion for. That's worth even suffering for. I mean, if you remember, Paul is writing this letter from where? From prison, right? I mean, this is not theory for Paul. He's literally suffering in that time, in that specific time when he's writing these words. He's, he's going without comfort. He's going without freedom. He's often going without food. And yet he says, look, 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 worth it. If by my suffering, I can fill up what's lacking in Christ's afflictions to help you, church in Colossae, to help you, church in Laodicea, to help even people I have never even met yet come to the realization of who Jesus is, the, the supremacy, the great worth of Christ, as Matt talked about last week, and then to see what he's done for you so that you can be united with him. He says it's worth, it's worth it. See, uh, that's why he can say, I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. The joyful sacrifice is giving up something you love for something you love even more. This is why I did not mind only eating peanut butter crackers in order to pursue Krista. And for Paul, what he loved, what he wanted more than anything else, was to see people come to Christ. He loved that even more than he loved his personal freedoms and his comfort. So if he had to give up the latter to get the former, he would happily do it. He would even rejoice in his sufferings. So what did Paul want? He wanted to be able to present everyone fully mature in Christ. How bad did he want that? He's strenuously contending to see that day. Even suffering to see that day. He was all in. Now, before I move to kind of application for us to consider the two questions I put before you earlier, I want us to, to just think for a minute more about why. Why was Paul willing to suffer the way that he was? Why was this what Paul wanted so much more than his own personal freedom and comfort? Why? Why was this worth it in Paul's mind? Well, the way I know how to put it, and you'll understand why I put it this way in a minute when we read these next verses, but the reason why Paul was willing to suffer that, and why this was such a big deal to him, was because he realized he had been entrusted with an answer to a mystery that could ultimately cure what ails the, ails the whole world. Now, that sounds kind of like a grandiose and kind of far-fetched statement. I, I realize that. But this, this is what he, he believed. He had been entrusted with an answer to a mystery that, has a, that had the ability to cure what ails the entire world. And, and before I explain that statement, I just want to ask you to, to think about this, just a little thought experiment. But like, let's say that you somehow discovered, I don't know how, we don't have to make that part up, but somehow you discovered uh, the uh, answer to how to cure cancer. And <laughs> you could heal 
every single person in the world that had cancer, and you could keep anyone else in the world ever from ever getting cancer. Let me ask, would you not strenuously contend with all you have to get that out to people, to everyone? Would you not be willing to labor exhaustively to get the word out? Would you not be willing even to suffer, even to suffer imprisonment if people, as you're sharing this news with them, don't believe it and reject you and refuse it and just say, get out of here, and they lock you up? Would you not still be willing to continue to proclaim that message even in the midst of your suffering, especially if by your suffering you knew that the word was getting out? and was gaining even more traction because they look at this person willing to suffer for this message. They must truly believe it. We should try it. And oh wait, look, it works. (laughs) Would you not be willing to strenuously contend to suffer to get the cure out? You would, right? Friends, (laughs) The Apostle Paul knew that he had a cure that was even better than a cure to cancer, as great as that would be. Because even if you cured cancer, people will still eventually die. But Paul knew that he had been entrusted with the message that was the cure, the ultimate cure to sin and death itself. See, in Scripture, we learned, think Genesis 3, where does death enter the picture. It's when mankind distrusts God and goes our own way, that we, our relationship with God is severed. We're separated from God. And in that moment, sin and death and cancer and selfishness and war enters the picture. What's the cure then for all of those things, the ultimate cure? Is it not being reunited with God. That our relation with God being restored and reconciled, that that is the ultimate cure that will lead to everything being fixed. Paul knew he had been entrusted with that message, and so he would strenuously contend to do everything it possibly takes, even suffer to get that word out. Look at what he says, verse 25. He says, I have become its servant, that refers back to the body of Christ, the church. He says, I've become the church's servant by the commission, or that word can be translated by the stewardship, like he's been entrusted with something, God gave me to present to you the word of God in all its fullness. What is that? The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people, to them. God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, no one talks this way anymore, so this is kind of confusing. It's like, well, what is exactly the, did he just say? In, in short, what he's saying is that a mystery, which is Paul's way to refer to something that had been hidden in the past, but God has now revealed 
Usually the mystery has to do with God's plan of salvation, something that was hidden in the past but has now been revealed by God. Paul says that mystery has been made known. And the mystery is this, that everyone can be united with Christ, which is the hope of glory. That everyone can be united with Christ. See, if sin and death enter the world from being separated from God, Paul says, no, no, here's the incredible news. Because of Jesus, everyone can now be united with God in Christ. That everyone can be brought into Christ and Christ into them. Theologians speak of this as, a, as union with Christ. And union with Christ in the New Testament has two aspects to it. You see one here in this passage, the aspect of Christ in you. And then there's another aspect, which is you in Christ. That there's this complete union. You in Christ, Christ in you, made possible by what Jesus has done for us. That when we, in verse 21 of chapter 1, when when Paul is talking about how we have been alienated from God, that we are enemies in our mind towards God, but in Christ, God reconciled us through Christ's body for all of us to be union, united with him, and therefore blameless and holy in God's sight. Because why? Because we're in Christ, and Christ is in us. See, when you're in Christ, that means that Christ is your representative. That when God looks at you, he sees you through the lens of Jesus. And that's why it could be stated that you are seen as holy and blameless and free from accusation. It's amazing. And when Christ is in you, you know what that means? It means that you have the ability for intimate relationship with God to experience God himself and the joy of knowing him. And you have the ability to become more and more like Jesus, empowered by him in you to become a person of love like him. That when you're in Christ, you're seen as holy and blameless. When Christ is in you, you have the ability to know God and become more like him. This is Paul's shorthand for saying this changes everything. Sin and death, no more. Hope of glory. Union with God. And that, he said, is gloriously rich. The glorious riches of this mystery that has been revealed. This is of supreme worth because Jesus is of supreme worth and being united to him and freed from sin and death and brought into relationship with God and have the ability to become people of is of supreme worth. And so this is worth it. I will strenuously contend will suffer and rejoice in it if it means that by my suffering, I may fill up what's lacking in Christ's afflictions by bridging that gap between what he has done and you knowing it and God willing, believing it 
and therefore being seen as holy and blameless and free from accusation in the eyes of God so that when we get before the judgment seat of God, I may present you and everyone along with you fully mature in Christ. That's what he was after. <laughs> this, uh, this is one of the passages that God's used more than any other in my life to kind of uh, set my direction in life. Um, I grew up at a church here in Austin, Hill Country Bible Church, Austin, and um, that church kind of early on when I was in middle school, high school ages, uh, got convicted by this passage and said, okay, look, God wants everyone to be saved. I mean, think about 1 Timothy chapter 2, when it says, God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved. God wants everyone to be saved. Paul, Paul wanted every be able to present everyone fully mature in Christ. How are we possibly going to see everyone in our city get to hear the good news of the gospel and have the opportunity to be placed in Christ, reconciled to God? You say, well, it can't be by just expecting for us to grow a big, big, big church and everyone comes here. No, we got to go to people. And so they began to plant churches. And people in that church, it was a big church at that time already, and it had lots of programs and amenities and comforts and all that kind of stuff that big churches often have. But people left that church and the comforts of that church could provide them. And they started smaller churches in specific neighborhoods throughout our city so that they could be more contextualized to the people around them and, and have a heart to reach the people they lived around. And they planted a church in Georgetown. They planted a church in Pflugerville. My dad planted that church. Planted a church in Southwest Austin. Planted a church here in UT, near UT. Uh, they planted, a, they kept planting. Now, now they planted 41 churches. Oh. And as I watched that happen, I was convicted. Do I really want what God wants? Can I say along with Paul that I want everyone to be united with God and made fully mature in Christ? Can I say that? And so the day came when Krista and I Felt God's call to go plant a church. And we were actually at the church, Hill Country, Pflugerville, that my dad pastored. And I loved that church. I loved getting to work with my dad. I loved the staff there. We owned a house there. Life was good there. In a lot of ways, life was easy there. And we said, no, but we, we need to get the gospel to more people in our city. And Central Austin, friends, some of y'all have heard this before, but this, this neighborhood we, we're positioned in right here, that uh, only 4% of the people in Central Austin attend a church or part of a church. 4%. 76% of the people in this part of the city uh, do not believe that Jesus is their Savior. That's more than three out of every four people that you see. And so Chris and I said, okay, we, we want to go start a church in central Austin 
is the people there, they need to know that God loves them and what Jesus has done for them. And they need someone. They need a whole group of people. They need lots of people who will be willing to fill up in their flesh what's lacking in Christ's afflictions to bridge that gap between what Christ has done and accomplished for them and people hearing it and believing it. And so we planted Midtown Church a little over 10 years ago. That's, that's where this idea, this passage is where that came from. And guys, I'll tell you, there's been over the last 10 years, some really awesome things that God's done. There have been so many good things. Just last week, we had someone put their faith in Christ on uh, that Sunday. We praise God for that. Like there's story after story after story after that. But I can also tell you, there's been a lot of heart. There's been a lot of heart in the last 10 years. And Chris and I sold our house in Pflugerville. We rent a house here. We, we live in an awesome house. We really love it. But man, we wish we could own a house. <laughs> there's insecurity. There's financial insecurity that comes to not owning a house. We feel that often. It feels sacrificial. It feels hard. We've had many conversations with neighbors and friends in Central Austin. Every one of them felt difficult in some kind of way. We risk rejection. We've done, there's, I mean, I could just, I could tell you story after story of, of hard, but I'll spare you the details because let me tell you, every one of those stories would end with this refrain. Completely worth it. Completely worth it. Because Jesus is worth it. And because people are worth it, because people matter much to God. And because the gospel, the glorious riches of the gospel of Christ in us, the hope of glory, is worth it. Completely worth it. Earlier in the message, I I gave you two questions to consider this morning. I wonder how you would answer those questions. Do you want what Paul wanted. Everyone fully mature in Christ, everyone. I wonder if you, if you would even honestly say, is there anyone that you're longing for this? I wonder, I wonder what you're willing to do, if anything to help bridge that gap, fill up what's lacking, to get the gospel to them, to proclaim Jesus, to admonish everyone and teach everyone with all wisdom. We just did the blessed practice, right? That that was our teaching on how to do this with wisdom. Remember? Are you doing that for anyone? Are you willing to do it to the point of strenuous exhaustion? Not on the side, not when I can just fit, fit it in, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really make this my ambition. Even if it means I suffer. This is hard. It's always been hard. But friends, through us proclaiming Jesus, God works to save people. They come into a relationship with Jesus as they hear the gospel proclaimed. 
as they see that from you who loves them and cares for them, it hits home. And people experience the hope of glory, Christ in them and them in Christ. Because there is nothing better. It's completely worth it. I want to invite you to lean into this with me. As a church family, we would say, this is what we want. We want to present everyone, every man, woman, and child in Central Austin and Greater Austin and beyond fully mature in Christ. And to that end, together with Christ, we will strenuously labor. That's what I want to invite you into. But you got to want it. If you don't want that, then here's what I wanted to ask you to do. I want to ask you to sit with that and, and, and wrestle with that. Why don't you want this? Could be that the good news of the gospel doesn't feel all that glorious, gloriously rich to you. If that's the case, friends, talk about that. There's no, no shame in, 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 in admitting that. Say, I just don't even know if it's really a big deal for people in my life to know this. If that's how you feel, please don't hide that. We love you. We love you. Talk about that. Let's be honest with each other. I just don't get what Paul, why this is such a big deal to Paul. That's okay. Say that. Could be that the message doesn't feel awesome, doesn't feel great, doesn't feel rich to you. Could be that people don't matter to you. You're focused on yourself. You're not willing to suffer for them. If that's, if that's where you are, I have been there so many times. Hmm. I get that. I'd encourage you two to confess that. Confess that to God and confess that to one another. May we help each other grow in love as people of love, which we can. Because if you are in Christ, Christ is in you and he has the ability to empower you to be like him. Let's help each other do that. Last bit of, let me give you one more thing of encouragement um, before I wrap up. That is, if you're willing to take me up on this invitation to strenuously contend, present everyone fully mature in Christ. Um, I just want you to know you're not alone. Again, you got a church that wants to do this with you. But even more than that, you have a Savior that wants to do this with you. As we get ready to take communion and servers, you can begin to get the communion elements ready. But as they do that, I just want to ask you to try to pay attention. I know it gets a little distracting. People start moving around, right? But I want you to pay attention because I skipped over a section earlier in this passage. I I didn't read all of verse 29. Perhaps that bothered some of you. (laughs) But in that passage in verse 29, the Apostle Paul says, after talking about the desire to present everyone fully mature in Christ, he says, to this end, to that end, I strenuously contend, but then he adds, with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. With all the energy Christ so powerfully works 
in me. Do you know, friends, why Paul was able to draw from Christ's energy, his power to accomplish his pursuit of being able to present everyone fully mature in Christ? Do you know why? For two reasons. One, it's because Christ was in him. By the grace and mercy of God, because what Christ has done to reconcile us to God, Christ was in Paul. Paul was not alone. And two, because Jesus is all about, here it is, all about empowering us to reconcile people to him because more than anyone else, he wants people to be united to him. He wants this. Again, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Our Savior wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. See, friends, this is why Jesus came, and it's why he suffered. Well before we, his followers, were ever called to suffer and to labor in order to get the gospel to people, Jesus first came, and he strenuously contended, and he suffered for our salvation. Hear this. Hebrews chapter 12. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I think Paul, I, I, I now rejoice in my sufferings, Jesus says. Before Paul would say that, Jesus looks at the cross says, for the joy set before him, I'll endure the cross. Why is that? Because Jesus could face the sufferings of the cross with joy because our salvation was worth far more than what it was costing him. That our salvation was worth far more than what it was costing him. That's why he willingly laid down his life for us, his body broken and his blood poured out for you and for me and all who are and were alienated from him so they could be reconciled to God and united in Christ. This morning, friends, as we get ready to take communion, I want to give you a moment just to reflect on that. But this is how we've been loved, and this is, this is how he, Jesus, will empower us to join him in his work, to present everyone fully mature in him. And so take a minute, just consider that, and then we'll take the elements together. if you've placed uh, your faith in Christ, and you believe that this is really what he did for you, then we invite you uh, to remember Jesus' body broken, his blood spilled for you now through communion. See, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, and then remember it to me.
friends, aiming to present everyone fully mature in Christ will require varying levels of suffering on our part. And it will require you to strenuously contend to see it happen. But you aren't alone. Jesus himself is with you, empowering you with all of his energy to join him in what he is already working towards. So be encouraged. He is worth it, and he is with you. So let's make it our aim. Get the gospel to every man, woman, and child in our city and beyond, that they can too can be united with Christ. Let me pray. As we get ready to pray, I'll let you know that if you would like prayer for anything going on in your life, for anything that God's stirring and saying to you now, we've got a prayer team in the back. Brandon and Tiffany would love to pray with you uh, during this next set of worship. I'm going to pray for us now. Uh, ask, let's, let's stand and go to God in prayer. I'll end this prayer with the Lord's Prayer. I invite you to say that along with me. First, uh, Father, we just come to you now and say, God, uh, Give us your heart, God. Jesus, our Savior, who wants all to be saved, who came and willingly, with joy even, suffered that we may have your life, life to the full, eternal life with you, to be united with you, Christ in you. Christ in us and us in you, Christ. God, give us, give us a greater understanding of what the glorious riches of that message and of who you are, Jesus. And God, give us a dissatisfaction with the fact that 76% or more of the people we pass every day do not know you and are separated from you, alienated from you. God, they, you love them. Help us love them. Help us be willing to contend strenuously for them. And God, would you draw them into a relationship with Jesus, that they would find life and life to the full, that they would know your love, that they would enjoy you, supreme of all. God, would you help us Get the gospel to our city, and we may present everyone fully mature in Christ as we labor strenuously with all your power and energy working within us. God, that's what we want. We don't, God, we want Austin to become like heaven. We want Austin to be filled with worshipers of Jesus who say, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. God, we want that. And so, towards that end, we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We invite you to practice the way of Jesus in Austin with us because as we become more like Jesus, Austin will become more like heaven.